The Mix Room with Genelec. Today we're welcoming Grammy award-winning engineer Paul Norris onto the podcast, who is the chief studio engineer at London's Metropolis Studios. During his career so far, he has worked on tracks for Rihanna, Ed Sheeran, Louis Capaldi, Ariana Grande, Jesse J, David Guetta, Little Mick, Zane, among many, many others. And well, Paul, there's been a whole global pandemic in between the last time we talked. So it's very nice to see you on the other side. So how the hell are you? Yeah, all good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, new world since we last spoke. but A whole new world. I mean, a whole pandemic in between, but it's, it's nice to come out the other side and be talking to you again. Yeah, you too. Uh, well, we don't want to dwell on that. I mean, it feels like, did that even happen? I mean, it did and it was awful, but you know, we're on to other things now, aren't we? Yes, yes. In the past, <laughs> hopefully. Onwards and upwards, right. Okay. So are you at yeah. Metropolis right now? I am, yeah. I'm in, I'm in Studio E at the moment. Okay, nice. Um, are you allowed to say what are you working on at the moment? Uh, I'm doing a mixes for a couple of people, so I can't really say what it is at the moment. Um, I'm not sure about their release schedules and all that sort of stuff, but just, uh, yeah. Keep it cryptic. I like it. No, keep me intrigued. That's good. Uh, I understand there's <laughs> probably NDAs and all sorts. So yeah. Um, okay. That's cool. I thought you wouldn't be able to. That's fine. So, um, if you'll humor me just a little, um, cause I know you would have been over this a lot. So I know you started as a runner at Metropolis back in the day. Um, so obviously you've come on leaps and bounds since then. Um, that's, you know, putting it mildly, but um, what were the early days like when you first got thrust into the studio then? Um, I mean, when I first started as a runner, um, it was, I mean, it was a completely different sort of situation to now. I mean, I wasn't paid when I was a runner. Um, so everyone is paid now. That's, uh, that's, uh, well, that's nice. Change, but, uh, yeah, it's sort of moral, isn't it? Yeah. Very um, nice. Very kind of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, my sort of, my start was, I mean, I, I sent an email. I was working at a studio in Leeds. I'd done some work experience there for a few months and I sent an email to Metropolis uh, and got an email when I was on the train just about to leave asking if I wanted to come in and do some work experience. Um, so, yeah, I started doing that and sort of started as a runner, which was mainly like putting the fruit bowls in the studio and uh, going and getting people's Nando's or pasta or whatever and okay. um, doing that sort of stuff. And then... So just went on from there, learning more about how the studio worked and sort of gaining confidence of the assistants to actually be able to help them set up and do a bit more. Okay, but I know you studied at uni, so you did already have the engineering sort of knowledge, even if you hadn't necessarily put it into practice in the working world. Is that right? Yeah, I did a degree at um, Hull University in music technology. And then, yeah, so I went from there to the... It gave me a very good grounding in in sort of all the the elements of of uh, recording and mixing, but not obviously. As anyone who's ever gone into the world of work knows, it's a different mm. thing to what you've learnt when you're actually doing it on the on the job. Um, and at university, the only pressure was to get the work done, which sort of was several months worth of um, sort of preparation to to hand in a project, whereas in in the real world you've got paying clients and you've got 12 hours to get done what they need to get done mm -hmm. what was one of the biggest realizations that you had going from studying this and the practice of it at uni and then being put into an actual real world studio situation that perhaps you couldn't learn from studying 
Um, I think it is probably it's the pressure of other people relying on you. I mean, when you're studying, generally there's no one else is relying on you doing it for your own benefit. Mm. Um, but then when you're into the, the the sort of the real world, it's other people's projects, and I mean it's other people's art at the end of the day. Whatever it is you're working on, it's, it's someone's it's someone's passion, um, and you're there to sort of make sure that you're you can help them deliver that. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean it's a lot of pressure, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of it's a lot of pressure, and it's a lot of um, uh, just being on other people's wavelength. They have to communicate um, with them, and I think that's a different thing to when you're when you're at university and studying. Is you've got a lot more time. You quite often you'll know a lot of the people you're working with. I mean, I lived in the same flat as people, so you sort of know them very well. Whereas you can meet someone ten minutes before you're about to record them in the real world, and that's you've got. To, get quickly get into their their mindset and um their way of working and how they want to do what they're doing Mm. and what was your first engineering project that you worked on at metropolis when you finally went from being a runner to an engineer um so i went from running to assisting i can't remember the first in the first thing i ever did as an as an assistant and properly on the sessions was um was for an album that never came out uh, uh, women from the West End singing rock songs. Okay, very um, specific which, and niche. It, it, uh, it was, yeah, um, but it never actually got released, as far as I know. Um, that was the first everything I did as like, nothing to do with you, though. On a proper session, <laughs> um, I don't remember the first thing I actually engineered. There are lots of bits. The things that sort of stick in my mind. I remember being thrown in the deep end on a Black Eyed Pea session quite early on because okay. they turned up and suddenly realised they needed more rooms than they got booked when they when they first started um, and there was no one else about. So I got thrown in to engineer that. Um, I don't remember like the, the actual specific first thing. Okay, well, there's some, some quite big, well, and very different projects as well to be put onto quite early on in your career i imagine the black ips i mean they were huge at the time yeah yeah i mean yeah that was sort of at their their peak of fame i suppose and yeah they were they came with a with a whole crew of people and there's a lot sort of going on in the room apart from the recording you've got to try and work out what's happening so mm. it was um certainly a, a learning curve and I know you've had all sorts come into the studio. Um, some might be before your time. But obviously, the list on the website is is quite intimidating for anyone. It's got you, Paul McCartney, Rihanna, Jay Z, Alicia Keys, all these huge names. Have you ever been starstruck, or is, are they just people? Do you get used to it? How is that for you? Um, I mean, you sort of have to get used to it, um, and you always sort of know who's going to come in before they come in. So, if there is someone you're a big fan of, you can you have to sort of mentally get past that before they get here because be cool. Be cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, well, like any job, if you don't, you just want someone to get on and do their job and, um, you don't want them sort of getting stuck, uh, and bit and fanning over you when you just right. want a cup of tea or whatever it is. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's sort of, you sort of do get on past that, but there was a moment the Foo Fighters came in in the, in the summer to do the rehearsals for the um taylor hawkins tribute concert mm-hmm. um 
And so that was them and everyone else who performed at that thing. And there was a weird moment when I looked over the balcony and Paul McCartney was chatting to Lars Ulrich <laughs> in the corridor and I just thought, I've got a very surreal job. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> what is my life? That's what I'd be thinking. <laughs> yeah, it was very strange, strange days. But um, that was that was one of those sessions where you just think, this is a bit mad. Mm. Well, I can imagine. <laughs> Yeah, that would be natural for anyone, all those people in the same room. Is there anything... Yeah, and, Bo- and Bob Clearmountain was here as well. So oh, really? sort of the extra pressure of engineering and Bob Clearmountain sort of wandering into the room behind you and you sort of panic. <laughs> Just trying to act natural, <laughs> everything's fine. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all under control. What about, um, is there anything that people will be surprised to learn about your job? I mean, just you saying those names, I know that's not really a part of it. It's not this glitzy, glamoury job, but... Um, what is something that people may not know about it? Um, I guess that the, there's that side of it, but that whoever the client is is in. You have to treat them equally. So um, whether it's whether it's Dave Grohl or it's John Smith or whoever, you so everyone's got to be treated the same way. And you're at the end of that. You're there to help them deliver their vision. So. I mean, it's not something people don't know, I suppose. Um, I wanted to talk about, I think we should talk about, um, you know, you obviously Grammy winning projects. So Rihanna, you won a Grammy for your engineering on Unapologetic. So I know you engineered the track right now and a lot of the album was written and recorded at Metropolis, right? So um, what are your memories of this and what was that like to work on? Um, I mean, that was that was another one of those things where I sort of got thrown into it. I mean, I was at the time I was an assistant, and I'd only been at Metropolis probably eighteen months to two years at that point, um, and only maybe a year of that as as an assistant rather than a runner. Um, but I was the assistant for um, Rock Nation, who are Rihanna's management. I was the assistant in their room where Rihanna's engineer was working. Um, and they were sort of her whole team would hang out in there. So I was the assistant in that room. Um, and a lot of it was just making sure that I did that assisting job to the point where they were all, they all knew who I was and they were all comfortable with me. And when it got to a point where, um, I think uh, her engineer needed a rest or whatever, and this was mainly in the writing stage. So it wasn't really that much of actually recording Rihanna and it was, the writing stage but they sort of trusted me to take over with some engineering and then it just i just did a couple of weeks of it from the on the back of that but it's it seems like such a long time ago really? um i mean it was a long it was a decade ago <laughs> i feel old now um it, the my main memory of it was that it was like a six-week writing camp and it was it was quite intense um because it would be six weeks seven days a week um 11 a.m till everyone until everyone left um and it was one of those projects where i mean every writer and every producer in london whether they live in london or they've just flown over wants to get a song on a rihanna album um and so there'd just be people they'd all just be hustling to try and record more stuff and it was just sort of a mad session of just people being everywhere and tr- everyone trying to write a song and everyone trying to play it to the right people and um i mean it's just a very strange experience to be in the middle of it to be honest mm, amongst all that chaos yeah and do you actually have the grammy i'm guessing yes do you all get one everyone that's worked on it or is it uh, metropolis no, I, I don't 
I don't I don't have a trophy. Um I don't know exactly how the rules work with who gets given a trophy. Okay, so you're moving more into mixing at the moment. Um so is that something you've been looking to get into more of for a while or is that something that's just come about naturally for you? Um I think it's probably always been a long-term goal since I started at Metropolis to be honest. Um and when I first started I had I, I when I first sort of went before I went to university even I wanted to be a producer and I was very much set on that route. Um but as time's gone on I just sort of found that mixing is what I enjoy the most but also when I started at Metropolis Chenzo Townsend was here and Tom Elmers were here both um, both sort of in residence in Studio B and Studio C. And I just thought that looks like a really good job to do. Mm-hmm. And I want to be like them. Um, um, I think Chenzo had a Porsche at the time as well. It probably helped. Yeah, that would have um, um So, yeah, I sort of saw what they were doing, but um, and I sort of got to know Chenzo and chatted to Chenzo about stuff and, it just seemed like the route I wanted to eventually go down, but at the same time, I didn't want to. I didn't want to just say I'm I'm going to be a mix engineer and not have the experience of recording things. And I think having the experience of recording has really helped me with mixing because I can. I think they both help each other, but you can sort of recognise where a problems come from and how to fix a problem. Um because you've dealt with it at a recording stage and the same with a with the other way around when you're recording sometimes you know what you need to do for the mix but um yeah it's sort of always what i wanted to end up doing and i've got a daughter now and the days of wanting to sit here at four o'clock in the morning while everyone's having a party and i'm recording them um a sort of fading into the past Mm -hmm. and the idea of having a bit more control over my time is as much as anything but it's also the the part of what I've been doing for the last 13 years I've enjoyed the most is mixing to be honest okay and I saw recently you've done Ella Henderson's acoustic version of react um I think I just saw that on your Instagram earlier today and that's research Paul not stalking because when it's work it's research so what was your approach um you know, for mixing this, she's a very strong vocalist. So how does that affect things like the balance and just your whole approach? Um, well, luckily I'd recorded the vocal, so. Oh, um, okay. That, well, that helps. <laughs> yeah. It all came about in a sort of a, a, a roundabout way is that we were doing another song with Ella. Um, I look, I work a lot with, um, the vocal she's called, um, Megan Katone and she was vocal producing. She'd done react the, the full version um, as the vocal producer and I'd recorded a bit of that with her um, and we were actually working on a different track and the label had sent um, said oh if you while you're there can you do this piano version or acoustic version but it, it long story short we ended up not using what they'd done uh, Neil Cowley who's based at Metropolis ended up replaying the piano part uh, and we recut an entirely new version for that piano version um, and so, yeah, she's got a very strong voice, but it was, I'd recorded the vocal, so I knew sort of, I knew what the vocal train had been mm. and where we were going with it. Um, and yeah, it was just a case of that it's quite hard. The piano in the song is very, 
it's it's an unusual sound and piano neil's got in his room it's an upright piano but it's got all this sustain and it's i mean it sounds amazing but not a lot of um not a lot of top end it's not very bright um and because we'd done it at the same time as we were doing this other track we were using a c800 for ella ella's vocal which is quite bright um maybe wouldn't be the first choice if we'd had more time mm-hmm. um but I, I knew that that was the case his very bright vocal against a not very bright piano meant that there's just a lot of taming of the top end without losing the air in her voice um but yeah i was just sort of trying to i guess with in a in a, sorry in regard to the mix it's just sort of approaching and trying to keep like the emotion of her voice she's got a very emotional voice um and not lose that in too much but at the same time fing it in with that piano mm-hmm. um are you doing any atmos mixes paul uh i have done some atmos stuff um not a huge amount though um mike hillier is doing most of the atmos stuff at metropolis mm. um but yeah i've done a few bits but not not for a while okay i was just curious um as you've done a few what the the jump is basically between a normal a normal mix for you and an atmos mix and just that whole different approach and it just being a bit of a interpretation for what i understand from talking to other mixers and engineers yeah i mean i suppose that the difference in approach is that most of the atmos stuff is coming from stems so it's more a case it's it's more akin to mastering i think in that you're trying to stay true to the stereo mix or the stereo master even for a lot of the time of that must um and expand that into like an immersive format rather than do something very creative mm-hmm. whereas i think when you're doing a stereo mix there is a little bit more space for creativity um because you're part of the more of the creative process rather than that final stage i see and what about, uh, are there any other mixes you've done recently that have really stood out to you or that you enjoyed working on? Nothing that I can really talk about at the moment. That's fair I enough. Think. <laughs> we'll keep it secret then for now. I'm sure they'll be yeah. revealed I mean, in due course. It's, it's one of those things where I'm trying to get more, I'm trying to do more mixes, but there's not a lot. There's not a lot that's really, I can talk about or that, will make sense to talk about if that makes sense that does make sense and let's move on okay let's talk about the so all the all important you know studio gear that kind of makes all this possible so i know metropolis are big genelec users and am i right in saying that you've got some at home as well uh yeah i've got a pair of 83 41s at home um i mean probably don't get the use they deserve because i spend all my time in metropolis and <laughs> not at home but um yeah i've got a pair at home and i use them we've got 8351s in every room at metropolis so i use them pretty much every day for everything mm. um and then the main monitoring of studio a and studio b is also genelec so yeah big on big on genelec and um i mean yeah i just i'm very used to how they sound and i like how they sound um and i mean having the the um sam correction technology and the means that although we've got really good rooms at metropolis and we're very lucky to have really good rooms they do all sound different um but having the the sam technology and the speakers means you get them sort of sounding the speakers sound the same in every room and you can trust what you're hearing 
Of course, that's important, isn't it? Because obviously you're no more than anyone clients. They like to listen back to tracks loudly in the studio. So how does this give you the trust in what they're hearing and that it's going to sound good, basically, once it's blasted at full volume? Yeah, exactly. Um, And often we move projects from one studio to another here. It might be that someone's recording a piano downstairs and then they want to come and record, they need to record the vocal upstairs in Studio E or something. And it's good having speakers that you know aren't going to, it's not going to sound completely different when you move from them. People are going to just trust straight away that what you record, what you've already done is good. You're not second guessing yourself. Mm. Well, it makes sense why you've got them in the studio. So how come you've got some at home? Do you ever do any work from home? Was that for the pandemic or do you just really like them? (laughs) Um, I mean, in honesty, Janelet gave them to me. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, that's a great reason. <laughs> um, but I didn't have any, I, I do do some stuff at home. I don't do a huge deal at home, but it's, it means that if I need to do some mix changes or prep a mix or do editing and that sort of thing, I can do, I can do that at home. Um, if someone wants a tambourine turned up, I mean, I don't live that far from Metropolis, but it's much easier just to go into the bare room and just do it but also know that what i'm hearing is right mm-hmm. yeah of course and is it true so did you first use genelec way back at uni then yeah we had genelecs when i was at university um and then I, d- I don't remember the model it was far too long ago um but yeah had genelecs there and then the first studio i worked at in leeds also had genelecs um and so it's always just been they've always I've always been around Genelec and sort of trusted them and I know the sound of Genelec speakers and I yeah I just sort of get on very well with it. Okay, good. Well, it's good they're fitting into your workplace so well. Um, I'm sure you're not allowed to say. Is there anything else coming up this year you're excited about, or are they all um, projects that you're probably not allowed to talk about at this point? Um, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm going to do. Uh, a recording for a Japanese band in the Asylum Chapel in Peckham soon. Oh, that's different. Um, which is going to be a bit different. And it's all done for for Sony 360. So it's in a whole immersive recording. So I'm quite excited to do that because it's something completely different from what I'm used to doing. Mm. Um, and it's it's not often I get to do something completely new. Um so yeah, I'm quite excited about doing that. Okay, fabulous. Well, that does sound fun. And well, yeah, a bit different, as you say, all the immersive stuff. So it should be interesting um, either way. So good luck with that. I hope it all goes well. Thank you. And um, well, thanks so much for joining today. Um, let's not leave it, you know, two, three years or whatever it was, a whole pandemic no. next time. And we can talk yeah, about some of your avoid, projects yeah, that will not. have transpired. <laughs> No pandemic in between would be lovely. That would be great. Um, fingers crossed and touching wood at the same time, just for double luck, even though I don't believe in that. But yeah, that that will be good. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. I'm going to let you go then. I'm sure you're very busy working on whatever it is you're working on. So um, you get back to that. And it's been lovely to speak to you again, Paul. You too. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Paul. Bye. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.